Alright, what's going on everybody? It's the Yachty84 show here live, episode 143, week 20-something of quarantine. Uh, and we are all in our regular locations as usual. Oh, there you go. No one's in studio because uh, we can't be because we have to stay six feet apart from each other. Um, as always, to the left of me, Adam DeMallet. No, uh, no Mr. Glover tonight, but uh, we no. have a couple guests tonight, don't we, Adam? Yes, we do. Uh, running for election this November to the Washington House of Representatives and representing District 45 position to our guest this evening is Republican Amber Craver. Hey, everybody. How Welcome. you doing? All the way out on the left Thank coast. Thank you very much. And uh, for the third time during quarantine, a uh, good friend of us, good friend of the show, Mr. Casey Grant Ettis. Did I pronounce your last name right? I always butcher it. It's always butchered. That's just fine. Also known as <laughs> Arminius Ear Finale. Correct? Arminius Ear Finale is okay. the pronunciation of the pen name. Published uh, author, and uh, going to be here talking about just stuff in general in his newest book that's available on Amazon right now, The Desecration of the World, The Fallen Book 3. Mr. Casey, always a pleasure to have you on board here on the show. You are full of uh, fun information, I have to tell you that much. I'll try to keep my sarcasm down to a minimum. Listen, you know, if anyone is, uh, you know, could... Give it a nice perspective on everything. It's you, my friend. So there you go. We are uh, in the middle of the summer here. It is the 5th of August. Uh, shout out to my dad. It is his birthday today. Um, and uh, it's very hot, very humid. And uh, we're going to start off with Amber out in the left coast of Washington. Adam, I know you have a few questions lined up for her. Always, always. Um, no, but Amber, thank you for joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule to to uh you know to participate here today i appreciate it i'm sure you're extremely busy so it means a lot to us it's it's nice to have you here it's nice to have a perspective uh you know we we mix it up around here we have people from all you know professions on the show constantly and it's, it's nice to have a politician here for once so it's really it's really great to have you well here. wait a minute i was a former politician that's i'm sorry you're right Artie. you were already ran for you, you did run for i uh, did and it, it didn't work out very well but it is what it is it's true it is <laughs> All right, I didn't vote for you. You weren't in my ward. I know. Next time around, you know, I'll make sure I could I could redraw those lines so you can get in there. <laughs> so Amber, you seem to be big on um, you know, trying to fight corruption here. Your state seems to be you seem to be very adamant and vocal about the corruption going on in Washington State. I mean, what would you say is the number one out of all the problems? Would you say is the biggest corrupt issue in your state? Oh, um. Well, that's uh, that's a big question. I'm sure it um, is. I, I know it's not easy to answer. That's fine. It keeps the time to talk. Okay. So there you go. Is your... It does. <laughs> I appreciate it, Adam. This is wonderful to be on this show and to meet all of you. It's a great opportunity. And it's nice to kind of bridge the gap between the East Coast and the West yeah. Coast a little bit, especially that's since right. we kind of share. I think you guys understand personally a lot of what we're going through out here in Washington State. Absolutely. And, um, you know, when it... it when it comes to the corruption, it's becoming quite obvious that that really is the core of what we're dealing with. Like we can, we can complain about taxes and um, uh, transportation budgets and, and things like that. And those are legitimate complaints that we have as well. But really it boils down to the cronyism that has become 
kind of the practice of government out here in Washington state and uh, particularly in the Seattle King County area where where um, where we are it's it's uh, you end up realizing that your government isn't based on the priorities of the people of Washington state anymore that it really truly is based on uh, those relationships those crony relationships where um, the decisions about education are made based on what the unions want because mm -hmm. that's who's donating to the campaigns for um, the governor or for the office of superintendent of public instruction which is up for election this year as well um, so it, as far as the the core area um you know there it's it's pervasive it really and truly our our government is is saturated and like i said it's no longer uh, it, it no longer appears to be a representation of what the people of Washington state um, need or want from their government. Um, yeah. But I would say it, when you get down to the basics of, of where we really need to start making changes where, where that, because you can change the corruption at the, you know, at the education level. Um, but if you don't address the underlying issues of corruption in the, uh, uh, in the budget and auditing. Yeah um you'll just end up right back in that swamp where you were before and so i'd say priority wise if you really want to get down to making sure that the changes that you make are changes that can't be just quickly undone and that stay and make sure that you're you're actually making progress toward um, a government that serves the people like it's supposed to i'd say we really need to address um and probably budgeting uh, because you just really need to make sure that your money is spent where the people want it to be spent, that there's oversight, that there's not money laundering or racketeering going on, that you're not dealing with um, industrial complexes that are being formed, uh, particularly in areas of social, uh, social reform like homelessness or um, along the lines of LGBTQ uh, activism and, and their rights and their uh, protections as well. You know, a lot of that is being exploited and the people are being manipulated, um, particularly under states of emergency where you can't, you just don't have the oversight of the budget because the rules are different. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of money being moved around that just appears to be um, kind of intentionally uh, from, you know, even the Black Lives Matter uh, protests or the riots that have been happening, it, it appears that they're protecting the ability to to riot and damage buildings in order to move money and say, hey, this is for building restoration. Um, and, and there isn't a lot of oversight where that money goes. So, you know, I'd say that's going to be that's an area where I'm honestly looking at the next legislative session and saying, I have no idea how we crawl out of this pit. How do we get out of this? We have no it's one working, we have no revenue coming in. Yeah, yep. and if we don't have revenue, we can't pay our budget for the government and they're still spending tons of money on the budget for the, the government. Like the they're government not, writes you know, checks. nobody's being yeah. furloughed, so. They write checks for, uh, you know, for accounts that they don't have the money for. And it's, you know, they, they print paper, as you say, and they've done it for years. And, you know, that's how we get into a uh, recession and, de and, a, and deficit of the economy. And uh, yeah. obviously, you in a, in a Washington State, a very blue, very Democratic state uh, historically over the years, um, and you a Republican in a district that is very, very blue, 
um, going against the incumbent who was a former mayor of a town or city, I should say, in that district. Um, and now, I noticed you ran against him four years ago in 2012. Um, was that your first time trying in for this position? Actually, I ran against him two years ago in 2018, and it was okay. my, my first position or first time that I ran against him. Um, in fact, his wife is currently the mayor of Kirkland, which is one of the cities that is partially in, in my district. Um, and there's, you know, he's been in office since my husband and my oldest son and I moved out here uh, in 2004. He was elected that year, probably six months after he moved out here. So he's been in office for 16 years, a long time. And anytime you have um, that length and that that um, that seniority, even though seniority can be a really good thing, uh, even in politics, it can be a good thing. There's a lot of experience that's uh, that's valuable in in that. But you know, anytime you have time uh, in in politics and government like that, you end up with a higher risk of of corrupt relationships being formed yeah. and um, kind of the this blockade or checks and balances being removed so that more cronyism can happen and so that the that the people can't actually the people have no recourse to address it and that's uh frustrating and concerning of course with it and you know my my opponent is very kind he's always very gracious and i appreciate that about him um but i, I certainly am concerned about uh his his campaign donations and yeah. um you know the the unions that are getting money from him oh yeah absolutely. Or, i'm sorry the other way around that he's getting money from and then he's passing legislation to benefit them and things like that that's stuff i'd like to see that actually may be the core issue that we need to address is look the antitrust laws that we would apply to corporations really need to apply to our government officials as well if you're if you're working on if you take donations from you know, corporate entity or from a union entity or something like that, you really need to recuse yourself from legislation, either, you know, proposing it or, or sponsoring it um, or voting on it so that there is no conflict of interest there. So mm -hmm. you can't end up with these kind of uh, relationships, these crony relationships that usurp that position of priority that the people really should have. Yeah. I do think a lot of times, like some of these problems, they're just there. It's like, we got to fix this. We got to fix this. But it's the how do we fix this? Yeah, it's nice to say we should do all this, but it's like how. And I do believe a lot of politicians get into business by in thinking I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then they get into office and they realize their hands are tied and like, oh, shit, I can't, you know, and, and they don't know what to do. So they end up falling into what they didn't want to do because they have no choice. I think that's what happens yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I think that happens a lot, especially in, in situations where the the legislation is so tangled and uh, complex. I mean, it's just, it builds on itself, um, yeah. but it can end up kind of thwarting your efforts to really clean house. And so sometimes you have to undo sections of legislation um, before you can implement what you actually want to do. And, and, you know, there's a place for saying, look, we should have term limits that really can help cut down on corruption and things like that. Um, but that also, you know, cuts down on on the progress that needs to be made. If it takes, you know, six years yeah. in order to change the legislation that you want to change, uh, you really want those people that are dedicated to do that, to doing that in that office, if possible, or someone mm -hmm. like them. But, you know, term limits can have a, a kind of a, a downside as well. That's pretty significant. Um, if there's, you know, whereas if you if you pass legislation, legislation that kind of just 
very simply requires you to recuse yourself from any legislation that would directly benefit somebody that you, you know gave you money mm -hmm. or that you have a beneficial relationship with then you don't have to you know that may take care of the issue the underlying issue that we're really having um rather than having to say okay well you just can't have as much time to work on things when that's not necessarily the real issue yeah. um you know it, it's an it's an idea that needs to be explored more and i'm not sure how complex the legislation would have to be for that but i think it's a better way to tackle that issue uh it, it kind of at the core level the foundational level i'm a big fan of term limits and like you said it does make a good point because if you want to have someone who's working on a project or working on, on, a, on, a, on a task it may require more than a couple of years in which they have in office. Um, but then you see the, the, you know, the opposite, especially here in Massachusetts, where you had Senator Kennedy here in power for 40 years. And what was the progress? You know, some would argue there was a lot. Some would argue there wasn't. And the problem with that is you have the same person in there. And like you said, you, you have these connections. You make these relationships with people who are funding you. So they keep you in power. And you, at the end, of, and at the end of the day, are only helping a small percentage of the people who are in your state or your district, your city, your town, or your your ward, or any of that nature. Instead of doing what you're supposed to be doing, is serving the general public and doing the best for what is for your state, district, whatever. Um, exactly right. Yep. And, exactly you know, right. I think. Oh, go ahead. No, and, and the, the the fact that that you know the representative position is only two years. I think that is kind of. I think that's kind of an insult to, you know, that position for the matter that most towns and cities, their mayors are four years. And in my eyes, you're above the mayor. You are, you know, managing sometimes multiple cities and multiple districts in the city. So you have a little bit more power. And I don't understand why, you know, a senator would have, you know, six years in term. But, you know, just a representative only has two. I see. I feel like you can't get done because you're you're campaigning for six months. And then you're debating for another. It's, 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 you never, ever have the time to actually focus on to the task in hand. And instead, you are just, you know, you're, you're pretty much just you're, you're, your wheels are spinning at the same time. And, and you're making these connections of certain groups of people who are very generous and donating and whatnot. And at the same time, they're the ones you're helping. And you're not helping, you know, Joe Schmo down the street who owns a small business who may need a little help or legislation to help him basically do something he wants to do for the better of the people. And how, how would you exactly. feel? How do you feel? You feel the same? It's it's. Why is it only two years for a representative? Is is there ever been established a reason why it that is the case? But uh, you know, I I couldn't tell you for sure. I can I can make a guess. I believe that's constitutional for the state of Washington. Um, our uh, senators are actually four years, um, okay. like our like our governor is, I believe, not six. Although I might actually state. Oh, okay, the state senators. That. Okay, I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of the federal, you know, two of federal. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think I think our senate I think our senate elections are every four years. Okay. Um, and so, but you're absolutely right. You know, you're spending a, a significant amount of time. Your you know your second term or your second year, um, campaigning. And really and truly, you know, that may not have been an issue when when the government was formed and established. It may have been that uh, two years really meant um, and, and kind of guarded over uh, the purest representation that they could have, where even if the demographics of the 45th district changed and maybe they changed fairly rapidly when the government was first set up. And it's really important to make sure that the person in place is uh is genuinely and accurately representing the people that they are elected to represent maybe it you know when that was decided 
um, that was sufficient, and it really did make sure that that the represent uh, that the representation was accurate and was was um, really close to to what it needed to be as as much as possible. Um, I would say that as as government grows, one of my biggest concerns. Um, and the reason that I think we have this significant uh, schism in our country or uh, all of this division in our country right now is because our government is massive. The power that our government has right now is, you know, essentially they control our lives. I mean, we're watching these governors and mayors completely shut down um, whole states. And if it's, you know, if that's pervasive enough in other states, then all of a sudden our entire country is shut down and we really suffer for it, even if it's even if it's not something that we are um, supportive of. You know, we suffer the consequences and yeah. obviously they're not shutting down the Washington state government. Yeah. And so they're not really suffering those consequences. So I would say that when we started, Washington state's constitution is very, very, con very uh, conservative. Mm -hmm. um, our second, our equivalent to the second amendment actually uses the term impaired instead of infringed on for um, for your your right to keep and bear arms. Like it really is even stronger than the U.S. Constitution. So I think you know the intention was for government to be very small in Washington State. Yeah. And when government is really small, you know making changes isn't that big of a deal. And legislators are in there and they don't actually have a whole lot of work to do because they technically shouldn't be, you know, passing laws to give orcas a billion dollars and and things like that like it's it's the scope of your responsibility and and your uh prerogative and your like your your reach of authority is so much smaller that um your requirement in your job isn't as burdensome and mm -hmm. so we're not looking at maybe at the time when it was it was established we're not looking at a thousand pieces of legislation that you have to try to get through in each house which is what pretty much what we had the last two or three legislative sessions, if I remember correctly. Um, you're looking at, you know, small changes that just need to make, sh make sure that the constitutional rights of, or the constitutionally protected rights of the people are truly protected. And that, you know, that you don't have cronyism in your, um, in your government and you don't have uh, trust being formed in your um, corporations or in the in the businesses that are coming in and, and you know guarding over things like that to make sure that the people really are advocated for at this point now in the u.s government and, and the federal government and in many states i think most states the government or the the government officials hold so much power at this point that any change in in a government official and who runs that is significant because it may mean that one group or another is really disenfranchised um, and so then not only do you have the issue of corruption and, um, and, and kind of the issue of, you know, campaigning is suddenly this massive undertaking um, that requires a lot of time and energy, but, but you also have this significant division because the people that are disenfranchised are rightfully going to be very, very concerned about it and very angry that um, people are supporting, you know, um, a, a candidate or a a party that would disenfranchise them and so you end up then with with uh not class warfare but um just political ideological warfare which is really tough it's really tough and and i think the key to to getting us back to a place where we don't have that division is really deregulating government i'm glad to see our president doing that um mm -hmm. as much as he has been 
it feels like a drop in the bucket. Um, and I'm sure at, at the state level here, it's, it would feel the same way. Um, but it is what needs to be done. There are times I wish I could just scrap the whole thing and start, you know, start yeah. from scratch. Just yep. start fresh. Just the yep. Constitution, just the basics. And unfortunately, nice. I don't know that there's a way to do that. Um, I, I, and so I would even the, go the, further back than that. I say we go back to hitting each other with clubs. I say we get to scrap <laughs> everything, Amber. Let's just let's just go way back. Let's just start with that. Cave drawings and drafting out things to keep it simple. I, I did want to bring up. There a... are there are days I think we've earned that. Yeah. I think that would be probably well deserved and might teach us a lesson and help us make sure we're grateful for not having to be there in the future. You you touched on uh you know how states were shutting down and you know, um, a little bit about deregulatizing government, but how did you feel, do you feel that should have been, since we have a pandemic going on, a nationwide uh, list of uh, things each state should do rather than allowing each governor of each state to pretty much make the rules and, you know, it, it seems, for me personally, having each governor in charge of the regulations during COVID-19 seems to be kind of a, like a kind of a clusterfuck right now. Um, because no one can get on the same page um, instead of, you know, some states are overprotective like Massachusetts and New York and some states are very lenient and underprotective like Mississippi, Georgia, Tennessee. And we're seeing this in Florida, for that matter. And non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> and, we're, and I, I feel, uh, and, uh, as many people know, I am a, um, you know, I support Trump and, and I'm a re uh, re Republican. But I do think that he did drop the ball on the fact that he should have put his foot down and used, you know, his power to say, hey, listen, we're under this is this is something the country has never seen. Um, you know, even in 100 years when we had the Spanish flu, it was I don't think it was this significant because of, of the technology and the population, how many more people are here and and how many more things are involved. Um, with being shut down that he should have stepped in and said, hey, listen, this is what we got to do. You got to do this. You got to do that and not let the governors take control because obviously conservative states are going to go more conservative way. Um, more liberal states are going to go another way. And at the end of the day, you're going to have this hodgepodge in which we're staring at now, where if everyone just got on the same page in March, we would have been, you know, somewhat in the clear yeah. here going into August and we wouldn't have these problems. I don't know. How do you feel about this? Right. Well put. So I, I totally understand the frustration that you have. I am t a staunch federalist. So in general, my my view is unless it's protecting constitutional rights uh, or constitutionally protected rights, uh, the federal government should be involved as little as possible. Okay. Um, that said, I think there is a place in in this issue that we're dealing with in this season that we are in. Um, for the federal government to step in and say, okay, you can go this far and no further. Yep. So, you know, you are more than welcome to to recommend that people wear masks and to present the data that supports that um, and to encourage that and to uh, incentivize it however you feel is appropriate. Um, but you may not mandate it because that's a violation of the Which Constitution. That's yeah. a constitutional violation, a violation of people's freedom and bodily autonomy um, or, you know, along those lines. I think there's a place for that. And I do appreciate that, you know, very close to the beginning of everything, maybe in maybe it was in April. Um, the I think it was Barr, the Department of Justice said, look, if you feel like your governor is infringing on your basic rights, on your liberties, this is the you know, he gave us a hotline i think even a phone number okay. this is where you need to go so you can report that so the department of justice can respond if it's appropriate um and i do i appreciate that um 
I think that I think there's a, a possibility that the governors are really hoping that the president will step in and step, you know, kind of overstep his mm -hmm. authority so that they can hammer him for it as a dictator. And so, yeah, that makes sense. I think there's a yeah, I think there's I think there's a balance there. Um, I, I do really wish that there would be more action on the federal government's part um, in general, whether it's from President Trump or from the Department of Justice um, or from the Department of Homeland Security is, as far as the riots are going and things like that, to mm -hmm. step in and say, look, you have gone too far. These are constitutionally protected rights. You may not overstep that line. However, I do think that the, the governors and the mayors that are being really naughty um, know all of this already. Mm -hmm. And so the way that they are running um, the kind of the, the system right now it, it avoids those issues. So maybe they'll um, like the whole idea with defunding the police or telling the police they can't engage unless there's a threat to life. Yeah. You know, what that does is if the, if the mayor sets a curfew and all the law-abiding citizens go home because of the curfew. This, we've seen this in Seattle. Mm -hmm. um, Mayor Durkin then extended the curfew and extended the curfew and extended it yeah. to the point where it was only the, the protesters and then the rioters that were um, kind of infiltrating those groups Give that a were left. Pass. And that's, you know, that's then their opportunity because they can riot and loot and damage all they want. Mm -hmm. And there aren't law-abiding citizens there to confront them or to oppose them. And so there isn't a threat to life. And then the police cannot intervene because they are not allowed to intervene yep. unless there's a threat to life. And so all of that can happen. And so long as they aren't um, damaging a federal building, mm -hmm. the federal government yeah. can't come in or the, you know, you, you can't have Department of, of um, I guess it would be the FBI come in and arrest people yeah. um, or U.S. Marshals or something along mm -hmm. those lines. Um, now, if you cross state lines to yeah. go and riot, that's a federal offense. And then yeah. Department of Homeland Security can come in and say, look, this is, you know, this interrupts state commerce. It has to do with the fact that your home state could be sued by the state that you go and damage property in. And so it becomes a, a commerce issue and then it's a federal crime. So that's that's why I think we saw uh, Department of Homeland Security, I guess, agents down there. Um, arresting people, they mm -hmm. actually had grounds to make a federal right. illegally arrest, in that, that were, point. They caught, avoid it. Yeah, we're committing a crime in a, in a state that's not theirs. I mean, you know, exactly. I, I, you know, I understand the government. You know, these 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 very liberal cities not wanting the federal government involved, and they want to defund the police department. And uh, I think it's a, I think it's a terrible idea to be honest with you. But you know, as the president of the United States, I could see him saying, "Okay, listen, you want to do so, we will pull back." But you, we will protect federal buildings because that is federal money. That is the entire United States who pay taxes. We fund these buildings, and he has the entire right to defend them. So you know, and they did that. I think they did that in Portland um, a couple weeks ago. They, he pulled back and said, "We're only going to defend these courthouses uh, because these are f this is federal property, um, and it's a federal offense to do anything illegal to this building." And you know, if you want to let your cities burn and fall apart. And, you know, take drastic steps backwards to what was established uh, that took so many years, especially like a city like New York City, that took so many years to get to the point where they are. It's a, it's a safe, was a safe city to go to, a uh, great tourist spot. And now it's starting to 
resembled New York City of the 70s and 80s, which no one in their right mind wanted to go to. We look at New York City in the 70s as we do sometimes Detroit and cities of that nature nowadays. Um, it, exactly. It, yeah. It, it's just a crazy. And then you you end up seeing also that the the mayors and hopefully the people of Boston or New York or Seattle or, or Chicago or um, uh, Portland in particular, you know, hopefully the people that are there realize that their their vote, um, their their decision and who they elect has a consequence. Yeah. And I think that that hadn't been communicated very well before. It was sort of like the the federal government in in past administrations had come in and you know kind of swoop in to to save the day mm -hmm. um and it made me concerned that it was actually a kind of an industrial complex where it's like well yeah we have a homelessness problem and so we need federal money for that oh, and yeah. the federal government would say oh yeah of course you do yep. but then you know it ended up being two billion dollars later that yeah. Washington or that Seattle is not actually addressing their homelessness problem. They're they're funneling money into places because it's another state of emergency that, you know, we can't we don't have a whole lot of oversight. And the the tiny homes communities they're building aren't actually rehabilitating people. Yeah. Their, Money's going out staying there and you have you yeah, have you have, exactly. you have Microsoft and Amazon, two of the world's uh, country's biggest companies, based in the state of Washington, and they're begging for federal money. Adam, you look like you've been uh, nerding on the, the bit there to say something. Do you have a question? No, it's just it's like Amber, like I'm sure, like, like throwing yourself into the the political arena, I'm just sure is exhausting. Like like do you have to always be on top of everything that's going on and who said what and everything, and even just listening to you talk, I'm like my jaw is like because it's just there's so much information being thrown at me and it's like i gotta ask like, what do you do for fun all right well, let's say like two let's say you have two weeks right you can't do anything politically related what does amber do like hypothetically what would you do with two weeks no politics two weeks um yes. okay well so it is honestly like drinking oh. from the fire hose and when i in 2018 <laughs> when i when I first jumped in, it was because nobody was running against the incumbent in my district. And I was appalled. Yeah. Our, you know, our taxes are through the roof. I'm like, how can nobody be running? Um, and I <laughs> joked around about it. I don't know if you if you heard Marshawn Lynch, our, one of our favorite Seahawks. For, um, yeah, I know you're a Seahawks Running, running backs. Yeah, so he had a, he had a, he had a, <laughs> uh, a line that he used because he was shy. He was great at football, and if you asked him about his football game and stuff, he was fine. But they, they always wanted to ask him a whole bunch of questions, and he never wanted to answer. Mm -hmm. And they finally started fining him for not answering. It's and unbelievable. So, yeah. Um, one year, he basically just responded to them, I'm just here so I won't get fined. And every time <laughs> they asked him a question, that was what he said. And yep. so I joked in, in May of 2018 when no one was running. I said, look, I'm going to run. And my slogan is going to be, I'm just here so we don't get taxed. And everybody <laughs> laughed about it. And I had two friends that came back, very close friends of mine that I, uh, that I really revere um, in politics in particular, specifically. And both of them asked me personally if I would actually run. And I thought it over and I actually filed, knowing that I, I filed on the last day on Friday knowing yeah. that I could take it back up until Monday yeah. and my husband and I talked about it over the weekend. And so that's how I got involved. And I'm telling you, I got four hours of sleep a night that, <laughs> that whole campaign season. It was like six months of literal, like virtually yeah. drink from the fire hose coming at you. And you know, it's, 
the politics right now is a really good fit for me. I have a passion for uh, justice. I have my, I have a hard, maybe it's a compulsion. Um, when <laughs> there's awesome. an injustice, I have a really hard time. No, it's true. Um, just, you, just letting it go. So. You're giving me the politician answer though, Amber. You're dancing around the I know. question. I know. It's not going to work. Honestly... <laughs> if you had two weeks to yourself though, like what would you do? Like what are your Vacation, hobbies? Vacation, would you curious. go? Like you know. politicians are always, to me, they always, it's like, it's non-stop. they have it to never devote ends. their lives yeah. so much to it. I'm always curious to know, like, like you do live outside of that. Like, what do you do? Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it really, especially in times like this, it's like yeah. the, the news cycle is constant and it's, it is constant research. And I, I honestly, I love the research part. So it keeps me going. If I was yeah. not allowed to do politics yes. for two weeks, Yes. And I wasn't allowed to keep up with everything. Go on vacation. I love the, <laughs> yes. I on a, I love just going to the beach. I love to surf. I'm t- nice. I, like, I've only oh, done it twice. Nice. Well, I've only done it a couple of times, but I so love like it. it. And, awesome. and uh, it's, it, I enjoy being by the ocean. I think yeah. it's yeah. grounding to have something that's so much bigger than you are. It helps you mm-hmm. not get lost in you know, every little thing that happens, it's like, it's okay. There's, there's stuff bigger than me out there. There's stuff bigger than my problems. There's yep. stuff bigger than, than sure. Seattle and homelessness. <laughs> like, um, it, there's, there's stuff out there that's bigger and, and that's constant that is, um, that can keep you grounded. I know oh, yeah. it's, it, it's, nobody really knows this, but my, my husband and I on a regular basis play Overwatch in the evenings. Oh, you're yeah. a gamer. Oh, my God. You're a gamer. Nice. I love to it. See, that's an awesome yes. answer. That I would video never games. have guessed. I would never guess you yep. play video games. I would never I do. Guess we got into it. He, my husband is a is a, a rock star coder for uh, Facebook. And okay. So wow. Of all, nice. of all things. Yep. Um, and so he and a couple of his really good code buddies um, decided that they would start playing Overwatch, and I got into it. Yeah. Um, I main Orisa most of the time, but um, my favorite is actually Ash. So if anyone's ever on Overwatch, <laughs> they can come and find me, Lady K, on there. There you go. Lady have K. to friend me. I and... might seek you out. It's a good I, stress reliever, you know, to get out there and, you know, to relax. And, and like you said, you know, the, the ocean, the coast, uh, us growing up, uh, three of me, Casey, uh, Adam, and I, on the East Coast, now the, near the ocean, you know, a town that basically had an ocean, you know. Um, and you obviously in Washington, Fenosha. it's a state of mind that people in the middle of this country just don't understand. And you could, there's people that never seen the ocean before. And it blows my mind, that, you know, you take it for granted every day, but it's such a relaxing thing to just go and hear the ocean and the waves and the crash and the smells and the, and the sound. I, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely a, uh, stress reliever, but, um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, seeing the big sky and the planes might be similar, mm-hmm. um, but that, you know, there's that huge body of water. There's yeah. something about that that just it, it, it brings you back to your center. It's a beautiful country. We have it. we have plenty of, you know, I, people who want to travel abroad. I always say, you know, travel the country first because from from coast to coast in between so much beauty in this country, you know, no matter what state you want, every state has a, you know, an area that's, it's beautiful and you can appreciate it and, and seeing it for the first time blows your mind. Uh, so we have a question from uh, one of our fans of the show, uh, Alex, who watches and listens every week. He is curious about what your stance on legalizing marijuana um, federally. Uh, obviously you're in a state that pioneered the uh, marijuana uh, legalization and a lot of states have followed either decriminalizing it or making it for rec- uh, recreational use. Um, were you, uh, 
were you for this? Were you against this? How do you feel if, the, you know, we decide to take it to the next level and, you know, become more of a federal thing? So, I, you know, I'm a person who really enjoys a nice Italian red in the evenings. And mm -hmm. I have friends and family members that, that use marijuana in the same way. It's a way to relax in the evening. And yep. so I understand the recreational use of it for some people. Um, is very similar to just sitting back and having having a beer or something along Absolutely. those lines. Um, and so, again, as a federalist, uh, I I lean toward deregulating um, and decriminalizing marijuana use, uh, even recreationally. I would say that I would leave it up to the states as much as possible. I think one of the reasons that the United States has made significant progress so quickly, even as a young country, relatively young country in the world, um, is in part because we're, we're, this, we're this cohort of, of states, uh, of, um, of governmental agencies or entities that have autonomy. And so we can try different things and see what works. So if Washington State and Colorado decriminalize marijuana and legalize it and, um, they find that there are very few negative ramifications or consequences to that. Mm -hmm. Then even if, you know, a place like say Texas says, no way, we're never doing that. It might be that that experience and, and that what we learn from some states trying out different things actually helps us progress more quickly forward where even, you know, if it's the other way around, if we discover, Hey, you know what, when we do this, we really have junior high kids that are just, yeah a significant amount that are falling off the charts in their grades or they're dropping out of school or they're really struggling with addiction later on you know they, you have kind of that um that ability to to that flagship that kind of goes and tries something out and says hey this works this doesn't and then we can perfect it more quickly we really can um and i think that's you know as as a, as a country of united states we really have this kind of um unfair advantage or you know this this ability to progress way more quickly than anyone else in the world because we can work uh kind of cooperatively or synergistically it's like the you know the progress that we make can then another state can jump right on to where we left off or where we where we got to mm -hmm. and they can progress from there and they can perfect it even and say hey you know what this worked but we're going to change it this way and see if it works a little bit better yeah. and it's that whole concept of iron sharpening iron you know as much as i would really like washington state to go completely red this year <laughs> we re we really need a two-party system the united states really needs a two-party yeah, system we need to have both sides going back and forth and yeah. hopefully reasonable on both sides you know yeah. where it's it's not so, so extreme um, you get the extreme right and yes. different we, you know, it, it, it will perfect us because we can, we have an idea and, and then somebody from one side says, look, you're forgetting about this. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to perfect it to make it a little bit better. And it's those two sides that really make sure that, that we're on that straight yeah. and narrow path so that we can progress, um, to the benefit of the people that, that, that we govern or that we, um, our neighbors with, uh, we can progress much more quickly. And uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Honestly, yeah. the United States is unique and, and amazing that we have yeah. that benefit. And 
sadly we take it for granted but, yeah. or like we you, don't realize it like you said in your wake up washington rally you, you said it perfectly you said it's not about right versus left anymore yeah like it's, it's not <laughs> you know yeah it's it's really not we're far beyond that and and it's sad because it actually takes us back to liberty versus tyranny like we're just this isn't about right and left i love jfk um, Democrats. I love the JFK Democrat Party. The the yeah. concept of look, people should be free. We should guard over that freedom. Mm -hmm. And even if I don't agree with him on on all of the ways that he wanted to make sure that that liberty um, was protected, maybe his, the, his way of going about that didn't necessarily match perfectly with what I would have picked. But it's still you know a beautiful part to making sure that we are on the best path and the fastest yeah. um, path for for progressing and. We've lost that. We really have. Um, Ken Kennedy was. And I think a lot of it has to do with corruption. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. Yeah, Kennedy was very progressive for his time. I mean, he was he was running. He was a president. He was you know a senator of Massachusetts at a time where his ideas to people who lived in the South were extremely foreign. Now nowadays we take those for granted as you know it's the it's the way of life now. But he was presenting ideas, and it, it was remarkable that you know he was he be elected. And was able to be as successful as he was just basically, I mean, he was he was doing stuff that no politician had done before. Um, and, yeah. you know, I think nowadays we need more politicians like that. Like you said, there's no left, there's no right. We need people who can agree on stuff and you have your ideas. But instead of just going so far to the left and so far, I mean, I feel like nowadays when you, you watch CNN and Fox, you might as well be watching news reports from two different countries. You know, they, they yeah. you see one thing is completely opposite than the other. And I like to watch both to get a perspective. of All right. What's what are they saying on there and what are they saying on here? And then I, as a reasonable um, uh, American, would like to take both parts and figure it out myself because no one else is going to do that for me. So I can take the yeah. good, I can, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, surprisingly, I think a lot of Americans are like that, even though we see each side extreme on each, you know, they show each, each extreme on each side. I think for the most part, the most part conversations I have, at least with you know Casey and Adam here, and the conversations I've had with them in the past, we can somehow find a middle point where we can agree on something, and uh, you know we look at both sides and be like, hey, listen, you know, if we just figured out where we can meet in the middle, everything would run smoothly instead of just trying to you know cut out everyone's knees on each opposing side. And I feel like between Pelosi and Trump right now, it's two people who are just basically instead of worrying about the American public. And worried about the situation we're in and how we need to, you know, we need we need the help to continue being a powerhouse in the world. Um, they're just, you know, concerned about taking each other's ankles out and seeing how much damage they can do to each side. And I don't think that's beneficial to me, to you, to anyone who pays taxes and works hard for a living and, you know, basically just wants the government to help us. Because basically that's what they're there for, to help us as Americans, you know, because we pay our dues and we, we do to have them help us when we need to. And we're in a state of, you know, emergency right now that we need the help. And I think, you know, for, for the president and the speaker to basically come together and be like, listen, we're acting like children. There are 70, 80 year old children who are arguing over pettiness. And they're not they're not they're, they, 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 they proclaim they're for so many yeah, people and so many true. sides. But I don't know, Adam. What do you think? I mean, 
No, I mean, I wish I had something to say. I disagree with you. I mean, I sometimes when I disagree with you, I'm extremely vocal. Today, I, yeah. I have nothing because I 100% <laughs> agree with everything you're pretty much saying. Casey, what's Casey, going you're on? quiet down there. You're very comfy you're, on your porch. And Casey, I know you're, you're a very conservative. It is a very comfy porch. You're a very conservative <laughs> guy. We've had conversations in the past, and I know, you know, what you think of stuff. What, what do you think? What, I mean, any questions for Amber? Um. For, for Amber, no, I think we we discussed anything that I would have had any <clears throat> any interest in because uh, I mean we're in Boston and Washington is like different 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 state, different time zone, different culture altogether. But as they say nobody's quite quite like Boston, considering you've got just the Boston area is like just like a hub of multiple different professions out there, multiple different. Um, but they, I mean, it, it's very similar. In, in the sense of, you know, Seattle and Boston, I think, are very progressive in the technology and, you know, bio fields. And, you know, I, I, and I feel like the structure of the states is similar, where the inner cities like Tacoma and Seattle to uh, Boston, Cambridge regional area, you know, very democratic in, in the sense. And the rest of the state is predominantly red. Would that be correct that most of Washington, when you go to the east, is, it's pretty Republican, right? It is, yeah. Once you get, um, once you cross the Cascade Mountains, I don't... I don't know, like, especially this year, I don't think you're going to have a single um, precinct that goes blue. I yeah. think it's all going to be red on that side pretty hard. Um, now, like in general, you know, you've heard Governor Inslee in the news a whole bunch because of the policies that he has and stuff. Um, <laughs> I was going to bring him right. up. Are you guys going to get a beer anytime soon? Hang out? <laughs> <laughs> you guys going to be friends and hang out? You should challenge him to an Overwatch match. That would be cathartic. That would yeah. be absolutely cathartic for me, I, I'm sure. Um, so I, I, Governor Baker and, and even Mayor Walsh out with you guys, I don't hear a lot about them. I don't know if it's because everything out here is so chaotic and, you know, Mayor Mayor Durkin and Governor Inslee just kind of dominate our news cycle and stuff. But yeah. do you guys have, I don't know if Casey can speak to this or, or, or um, you guys either, but do you have the same type of stuff going on with your specific uh leaders or officials or are they are they as quiet as it as i'm perceiving them to be that doesn't seem like i'm getting a whole lot from from massachusetts and from boston i mean baker's definitely been very busy yeah okay. he, he's certainly been extremely busy um big is very de he's a republican yeah. but he really favors more of a democratic side and obviously weird. That, that makes sense because massachusetts you know he it's weird how we're a very democratic state but we always have republicans in office like constantly you never know we do but i yes. feel like they're very they're mid they're they're yeah, mid, they middle republicans yeah. i don't think they're more, more moderate yeah or at the very least what i what i really particularly like about baker is he actually listens he to does. the other side mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. actually takes that information um no, true. and attributes that to any of his decision making that he does yeah um it, I feel like he's been more successful governor of the state of Massachusetts rather than Duvall, who was here prior to him, who was more of, a, you know, a public face that didn't really do much. We talked a lot about him, but he didn't really get much accomplished um, at the yeah, end. Yep. And, I agree. you know, at the end, that's why Baker ended up taking over. Um, but you mentioned Marty Walsh. Uh, oh, people of Boston. Are no <laughs> They're, I'm sorry. I, I yeah. know that feeling. So they're not good. they're not fans of, the, of them. And uh, I, we we all think, or at least most people who I work in Boston and I, I you know talk to a lot of people who live in the city. 
they think he's way over his head in certain things. And, you know, Bostonians as a whole, we're very close-knitted people. We come together on a lot of ideas. Um, we're not as bad as a city as we seem to be cast as, this big racist city in the Northeast that everyone hates. Um, we've never, I've never experienced a situation in my life where, you know, it was, you know, 1950s, you know, Georgia type stuff as a lot of these athletes and people want to paint the picture of. Um, this yeah. race, racists in every city and, and there's, there's stuff that happens. But for the most part, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just one person saying it, but I've never experienced or never seen firsthand some of the stuff. Um, Boston's a close city. And after, in, you know, 2013, after we had the bombings here, um, you've really seen a, a town of, you know, 750,000 people really come together. And not just the town, but all the, you know, the suburbs and, you know, the state and, the, and all of New England as a whole, which... New, the states of New England are so small that, you know, for the most part, we kind of just group ourselves into, you know, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Rhode Island, and half of Connecticut because the other half belongs to New York. But um, it, it, but on Marty, we, he's, he's – uh, Menino was here for years. Menino was here for about 20 years. Mumbles, and Mumbles, Mumbles Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, say what you want to say about the guy, but he got, he got stuff done. And, you know, yeah. he wasn't afraid to – you know, call someone out or, you know, rip them a new asshole. Uh, whereas Marty is kind of a pushover. And, you know, if someone is really pressing on him to say something, it seems that he goes that way rather than taking more of a, a moderate and sitting back and saying, hey, listen, this is the side A, the side. He panics, I guess you could say. He goes yeah, into panic yeah, mode. I feel that too. Which I don't think yeah. is the best thing for a city. Um, no. To get really, really local, the city of Somerville here, which is the, I believe, seventh or ninth most densely populated city in the country, um, the mayor there is still on phase, I believe, one at this point, where he's not letting anyone leave the house for this town um, because he's so paranoid that, you know, the COVID's going to spread. This is, this is a mayor who uh, allegedly um, allowed a lot of stuff to go you know, through the byways to get some construction and this massive mall com and complex built for all these commercial uh, industries to be poured in. And then now he's telling these uh, commercial businesses that you can't open now because, you know, I'm afraid of COVID. Whereas we're so relatively close to Boston and other cities nearby that doesn't he think that his his yeah. voters are just going to go to the next town over, just like we go to the next state over of New Hampshire to do something. Then we're going to come around back. his mind. I believe he, so. Artie, he has complete. He's the one who also uh, said that Somerville, Massachusetts, decided to recognize uh, polyamorous ma uh, relationships mm -hmm. in households, like people who have like you Multiple know a relationship with more than one person. Yes, like that's more of a focus than COVID. Is you know what we're going to recognize polyamorous relationships. And I feel like, like that's a more. You know, I, I think that a lot of times that that can be the sign that they're not necessarily autonomous um, officials or mayors, mm -hmm. but that yeah. they are actually under the same puppet master that's doing. Because you see that you see these same patterns where it's like, look, we have an issue that we need to deal with, and they're over completely, you know, yeah. designating a billion dollars for orcas and stuff like that. And I'm like, look, Inslee, we have people who haven't had paychecks for you know 10,000 people who haven't had paychecks for yep. the last three months and you gave a billion dollars to the Nigerians what you know what's going on here yeah, Inslee. Um, Inslee, right? get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for first and foremost if you're you're as whether you're a ward counselor you're a mayor of a town you're a state rep you're you know you're in the, in the federal in the senate the president you, your your first priority should be your people right 
Um, and at the end of the day, these are the people that voted for you. So these are the people you protect. These are the people you listen to. And obviously, you're going to have people in your, your group that don't agree on stuff. But you, gotta, you, you as the elected uh, politician, is your job and duty to listen to both sides and find a happy medium to get both people com in, to compromise. And, you know, it, it goes, it just, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, it, man, it's just not happening sometimes, you know. It's, you give, you, you, you're prioritizing other things. Um, where you have your own people starving. And, you know, United States, I got to say, we don't have the poverty that some third world nations have where their leaders really just concentrate on the 1% of the people there and say, screw the rest of the people. Fortunately for us, we live in a society which that's not the case. But we do live in a society where we do have people that could use a little more help um, and they're not getting it. And there's no enforcement of people who are abusing the help they're getting and taking advantage of the system, which I'm 100% against the people taking advantage of the system because, you know, we all worked, we all paid our dues to society, we all have bills, we all have an obligation at the end of the day, at the end of the week. Um, and to me, it just it, it feels an insulted. I'm insulted when I, you know, I hear, you know, needs a little bit of something or you call your representative or your, your, your counsel or whatever to ask for something that, you know, was as simple as, you know, the parking sign had fallen down in front of your house and you need that, you know, fixed because people are illegally parking, you know, and it's, you know, they shouldn't be doing that. And it's, it's, a, it's a task to get around. And I know that's such a minute thing and, and such a, and so small compared to the problems of the country, but it, it, it's what it starts, I think. I mean, it's all structured, all the same, right? I mean, that's all how democracy is yeah, yeah. built on. And it really is like, a, it's a sign of, of uh, maybe the, systematic or systemic i guess uh, dysfunction of what's happening where the things that need to be taken care of that really aren't such a big deal are um being abandoned mm -hmm. and ignored and the things that need to be taken care of that are a big deal are tend to be exploited then because they're huge like you know healthcare. you can embezzle a ton of money when you're oh yeah paying billions and billions for for everybody's health care and so it's it's a massive massive money maker education's the same way mm -hmm. housing is the same way if they own and control all of the housing and you pay taxes in order to have a house and they give you your house for free you know it's it, it ends up being so much money involved that it's very easy to to swindle money goes away taxpayers can, out of money that's right that? you can hide money very easily i mean you know and you have your you know, second brother-in-law once removed that runs the uh, construction company that's building all the public house, and you know, uh, you can see money disappear easily. And and like I said, wait, I'm, wait, I'm wait, wait, what's that? Oh, hold on. So I was just looking at some um, Jay Inslee stuff here, and you're really I, on, you're really on this side. <laughs> and I'm noticing got a new enemy. You you kind of just touched upon it, Amber, about the Nigerians here. Um, so. This really happened. Um, <laughs> his administration sent hundreds of millions of dollars in unemployment benefits to an international fraud scheme orchestrated from Nigeria. Jesus. Yeah, that's really would being they, on top of your So would he, would he get the email saying that he has a uncle that died who's a Nigerian king and you have to send him his <laughs> routing number and his account number and he'll be putting a million dollars in your account. That's what it sounds like. I don't like. know it's, how this happened. It sounds like I he mean, fell into a scheme. This, honestly, the, the, the story behind it is, is so insanely irresponsible it's unbelievable so my we knew about it because my husband actually had somebody file for unemployment in his name 
Um, and he's like, I didn't file for this. Oh, People wow. for that are Facebook coders are still coding from home or wherever they can get good internet. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we were confused about that. And um, turns out that Susie Levine, who Governor Inslee had put in charge of um, the, uh, oh, what's it called? The, where they, not the stimulus checks, but the unemployment, sorry, mm -hmm. unemployment security. Right. Um, yeah security or whatever she's in charge of that and what the one of the first things that she did with the whole covid unemployment um because i believe a lot of this is federal money that's coming down to the state so that we can yeah. help pay for all of these people who are their paychecks and cover their paychecks well the first thing that she did was actually remove all of the security checks and balances and and the the, the under this guise of we want these checks to get out as quickly as possible so they literally had people who were filing unemployment through some email company that everyone knows is scams. Mm -hmm. And, That's you know, like nobody should ever be confused <laughs> yeah. about this. I, I can't remember what the domain is, but yeah. I mean, it's blacklisted. It's terrible. And so they had this stuff coming through. They literally had, I think, six weeks between the filing of the unemployment and anybody even checking to see if that person was actually unemployed. Wow. It is a complete, complete disaster, absolute disaster. What a mess. And it ended up being a, like, I think we actually hit a billion dollars. Wow. Like it was, it's bad. It's, it's really, really bad. Wow. And Governor Inslee is not holding this person responsible at all. Susie Levine has not been reprimanded. He hasn't even you know, he hasn't of even course. chastised her or, you know, mentioned that it's been a problem at all. It's and so of course, our attorney general. Bury it. Yeah. I mean, you <laughs> well, have yes. To. And and honestly, from my perspective, I look at it and my red flags go up mm -hmm. immediately for corruption, for this being an intentional, you know, are we actually laundering money through Nigeria or was this an accident? You know, that's yes. where I'm like, look, I really, really want the, the FBI to do an investigation i want them in there saying look we need to make sure mm -hmm. that there wasn't something else going on here because it's yeah, it just it's it doesn't smell right yeah if you were talking a couple hundred thousand maybe you're talking possibly billions, billions of dollars so that is of... definitely worth an investigation it's taxpayer yeah. money just Absolutely. going out to you know uh, that, that, that's the shit that pisses me off the most is because it's it's awful and it's because terrible. of the because of the um emergency the state of emergency the checks and balance of it are for it are basically non-existent yeah. it's hard to track down and it's just i mean this easily could have been a money laundering scheme to just push it out into a foreign entity and bring it back somewhere else where we have no idea where it is and where it went um yeah. and it really should be investigated and frankly our attorney general is not doing anything either that's the you know that's probably the first line of defense other than the governor saying look you you're fired this yeah. is ridiculous the attorney general should be investigating and then you know bringing charges at least of uh probably office yeah, misfeasance or malfeasance yeah, yeah, yeah. some I mean, kind I of some kind of negligence at that point so sorry i interrupted you already no no that's fine if i'm, if I'm paying money my tax money i'm you know percentage i want to know where that money is going to and if it's going to a scam then i am this is what people got to understand people got to listen and hear these stories and get to do their homework and they got to go when they go on november to vote they have to understand that you shouldn't just vote for the guy you see on TV. Everyone's going to do their homework. It's your obligation as a citizen who votes. You know, and it's the reason why you allow 18-year-olds 
and older to vote and you don't allow a 12 year old to go to the poll to vote because they aren't educated enough to know i mean there's some out there i'm uh, there's probably a few 12 year olds out there who understand this stuff but you have you're an adult it's your responsibility to do your homework and not listen to one news channel or another or read one website or another or read one newspaper or another it's for you to go out there to listen to both sides to make an educated decision and to vote and that's why we have elections because of this and for all these people who live in cities or states that say well i'm a blue state like massachusetts so i'm not going to vote republican because it's not going to matter so i'm either not going to vote or i'm just going to vote democrat you're doing a disjustice for everyone who lives in your, your peers because if you have enough people to sit there you know, I, I feel like only like 15 percent of this country sits there and does the homework before they vote like i and like I said, I'm a Republican, but I voted Democrat before. I vote for the best possible candidate to help right. what needs to be done, whether it's my yeah. district, yeah. whether it's my yeah. city, whether it's my state, because or my country. Because at the end of the day, I don't like throwing money out the window, as I'm sure you guys don't. So when you get nope. your paycheck at the end of the week and you see that hundreds of dollars have gone out, you want to make sure those hundred dollars are dedicated to certain areas and are doing the right thing and not just pat in some politician's pocket you know because absolutely absolutely i think that one of the things that we need to re recognize is that our country our states our cities would be radically transformed for the better mm -hmm. if we if we just dedicated ourselves to being informed as that's voters right. and to being independent Sweet. and that's it Listen like, to both don't, sides. i don't care about republican or democrat mm -hmm. stop voting based on that we just had a really really excellent um libertarian candidate for insurance commissioner who didn't make it through the primaries because a whole bunch of Republican voters went and just checked the R box, not yeah. even reading that. I mean, there were yeah. typos in, in the kids, um, in the candidates, he's very young, sorry, um, in the candidates um, uh, voter pamphlet information that he put out. It's it was really, really obvious that that Anthony Welty was the person that we wanted to have in that position. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. And and Republicans did not do their they didn't do their job. This is, you know, they, they didn't even read the pamphlet. They yeah. just said, oh, I'm voting all red. And people see that. They see maybe the, that's yeah. better than what we have. But for goodness sake, we just we really miss the boat on that. We need people to be informed. We need them to be independent. Um, and and then we can turn things around. So. so we're running close on time. Just one last question for you. How do you feel about mail in voting? Because this is the big topic I see on both news channels. So your ability to mail, okay. I, I don't think the Postal Service can do it personally. I don't think they can handle it. And I think I, I got mine. <laughs> how, do, how do you feel about this? Is this I mean, you tell me, what do you think one way or another? So there's there's a couple issues. I'll try to be really quick because I know we're short on time. But like the Washington state has been doing mail-in balloting as a whole state since I think 2005. We moved okay. here oh, in wow. 2004 and my husband and I registered as permanent absentee, which was kind of the precursor. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was the next year after Governor Gregoire got into office that Washington state legislated that everybody would get mail-in ballots. And I'll tell you, it's convenient. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely love that my ballot comes to my home, that I fill it out and that I can mail it in. That's great. Washington state has been working on this for 15 years. Okay. And there are some very significant checks and balances that have to be in place in order for it to have integrity, um, election integrity. Uh, and what's being implemented in other states right now is not even remotely close to it. And Washington State, even with 15 years of experience with it and a really good, you know, our Secretary of State is 
probably a moderate Republican, even though it's a nonpartisan office. And she does a very, very good job. She actually is very dedicated to it. She's well qualified for, uh, for the job that she's taken on. And um, even with all of that, there are the legislature has still gone in and just completely decimated our checks and balances. They've mm. removed her ability to do any kind of citizenship verification. So long as you check the I'm a United States citizen box and sign your name, and you like yeah. she can't, she can't even go. We're 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 a sanctuary state, and she can't even she can't even run an audit there up until six months ago or four months ago, there wasn't a database that had citizens in it. Mm -hmm. She had no ability to run an audit for non-citizens on our voter roll database. Wow. Like we're here we are and we give driver's licenses to non-citizens all the time. This is a normal practice for Washington state. That's unbelievable. And she's, and, and you use that driver's license to, to register to vote. Yep. Just this last legislative session, they passed uh, uh, the, the ability to use tribal IDs to register to vote. There's no way for us to check those roles yeah. to make sure that the you know people who are getting tribal IDs that it's legit. We don't so even so. know how many yep. are getting them every year. So it's you know they're sovereign nations in Washington state. The checks and balances are eroded even in a state where there's 15 years of experience. So any wow. any state that's trying to pass it really quickly because of COVID in order you know, to make sure everybody can vote for the November election mm -hmm. uh, is, is severely at risk for voter fraud. And I would say as far as the United States Postal Service, um, I love my postal worker. His mm -hmm. name is Adi <laughs> and he is actually Adi. from Nigeria. And, and Adi actually comes up. We talk all the time. He's excited that I'm running for office. Maybe I shouldn't say that, yeah. but he's <laughs> he is super, super nice. He makes sure that we get our mail um, mm -hmm. and he's dedicated to his job. But that's not always the case. Um, there are instances where uh, a candidate has done one of those bulk mailers where it's just supposed to go in everybody's mailbox and they have video showing the postal worker dumping them in the the um, the garbage yeah. area yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before he drives off. They caught him doing it. And so it's like you're you're putting um, a lot of trust in a in a, an institution mm -hmm. that um, isn't audited the same way and you don't have the same government oversight that you would if it was in the auditor's office or if it was just the secretary of state um, along those lines. And so, yeah. you know, as convenient as mail-in balloting is, I don't think it's worth it. Mm -hmm. um, and at this point in Washington state, a lot of us are ready to, you know, get to the point where we, we do things the way that they do in, in maybe Iraq or Afghanistan where they dip their fingers in and you have a little you know, black ink or blue ink on your finger saying, hey, I voted, yeah. use your fingerprint. We're just back to the bare bones to make sure that we don't have non-citizens voting in our elections and oh. swaying things. Right now, I actually met somebody well, two days ago who is temporarily homeless because she's part of the Black Lives Matter protests. And she's living in my district as a homeless person, even though she's not from my district. Mm -hmm during the elections she's registered they can register to vote in my district during these elections and all of a sudden you know in i'm assuming in three months mm -hmm. then everything will be finished with with the protest yeah and so. she'll move back in with her with her family or her parents or whatever she's very young um and so you know i i think in 2016 they had the same thing in olympia for the six months between um, or I guess from between August and November, the primary to the general, they had a tenfold increase in homelessness 
Uh, they went from like 30 tenths counted uh, to 300. And it's right in, you know, a key, a key district. And mm -hmm. so it's just, there's, there are too many options with same day registration that we have. That's just been implemented, implemented reg with wow. automatic registration, even for 16 year olds in yep. Washington state. That was just this legislative session. You know, there's just too it's many opportunities for fraud, too many. We're, so I'd say, no, it's not a good idea. Yeah. As convenient as it is, it's not worth it, guys. We're about 20 years away where we could stare into a computer and they could take our retina scan. And then we can vote that way. But even that will be hacked, as your your husband yep. will probably tell you. People are probably hacking Facebook every day, and we just don't even know it because that's the way. It, the it, True. you know, I guess you can't beat the good old fashioned showing up to the polls and filling out a paper. I, I yelled at the lady when I voted last time around because she didn't ID me, and I had the ID out. I walked in, I gave her my address wow. and I gave her my name, and she she just gave me a ballot. And I go, "Aren't you going to ID me?" And this is when I was running for for election, and she goes. Oh, and I go, you should ID people to make sure that's actually the name because I know about five or six people on this list who do not live in the city but are still registered to vote here. And if I want to come back with a fake mustache and nose, I could probably say I'm that person and you're not going to ID me, so why don't I just vote for myself again? But, yeah. you know, I, it, like any system, there's always ways around it, but I think the, the, the solution to a good old-fashioned election is get out there, grab your ballot, get your pencil, you know, right there, but... We are close on time. Uh, Amber, is there anything, any last minute uh, notes you want to say or how people can reach you, website, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff? So I do a lot of my campaigning, pretty much all of my campaigning is done on social media. It's it's easy and cheap. And when Facebook and Twitter aren't shadow banning me, it's quite effective. <laughs> um, so anytime you can, you can do a search for AK4WA, which is for Amber Craybach for Washington, and you'll find me on, on the social media pages. Um, that's, that's the best way to reach out to me. I do, you can go to my website, uh, which is ak4wa.org, uh, and send me an email directly from there if you want. That's been actually really encouraging to get emails from people because it's, it's sort of an opportunity to just stop and, and read through something that's a little bit longer than 280 characters or whatever yeah. Twitter is now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I appreciate being able to be here on the show, guys. Oh, this is wonderful. I really, I've been to Boston once, yep. um, and I remember my dad complained about people honking at him as soon as the light turned <laughs> yep. green. It was like, honk, oh, honk, and, and he, he was right. not pleased. <laughs> but I'm telling you, Boston feels like a family. I don't know if it's because there's so many Italian people or what, but it's <laughs> like you, you go and you're just your family. And, yeah. And, um, I'm encouraged. It sounds like Boston's really holding on to that, especially after the, the bombing. And, we try. Um, and it's an encouragement to the country. Keep keep that up. And hopefully, you know, Seattle will see it and yep. say, hey, we can we can do a little bit better, too. We can we can support each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it goes deeper than just political ideology Absolutely. and stuff like that. Hang in there. Washington's a great state. Hope everything figured. You hope you guys can figure all the commotion that's going on out there. It's a great state to visit, and I always say, you know, Seattle's a beautiful city, and uh, just, just driving through Washington State alone is just it just blows your mind. I and mean, it's the only state, I believe, that has a rainforest, right, in this country? Is that the truth? So there you go. You don't have to travel yep, far to go see true. a rainforest. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was, it was awesome talking to you and hearing your perspective on things. Um, you bet. Thank Mr. you. Mr. Casey, um, tell us quickly about your book and how you can get it and how we can make you profitable as an author okay um well i'll definitely be sure to like post my uh facebook page in the comment section mm -hmm. uh but 
Uh, I do have a professional review out that actually can better articulate it than, than I can. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read that. Sure, go ahead. Okay. In the sprawling fantasy novel, The Desecration of the World, a dark land is pu- pushed toward a moral quagmire blurring the lines between good and evil. My fantasy novel, The Desecration of the World, a magical land shudders under the unrelenting attack of a demonic army. The continent of Alcathos has seen better days. Even its more prosperous cities feature more squalor than comfort. And Kanasa, one of Alcathos's oldest and most robust cities, falls to an army of darkness that's led by the mysterious Decrepentower. As Decrepentower's terror spreads, the continent struggles to amass a defense force leading to some unlikely alliances. These would-be warriors race to discover a means of overpowering or at least stopping the Tower. Humans, elves, and dwarves struggle to maintain their morality and their sanity in the face of unrelenting death and destruction. It sounds like it should be a video game. Well, damn. So read it. Get it on Amazon. It's available on Kindle as well, right? For a digital form? Uh, yep. If you have, uh, I think, KDB Select, you can actually get it for free. There you go. Um, Can't be free. That's right. Casey, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Amber, Casey, thank you guys so much for yes, joining us for tonight. Um, thanks. I appreciate it. Can I ask Casey a really quick question about his book? Okay. So I have, I have two teenagers, 14 and 18. Do you have an age recommendation for it? Is it an adult book? Is it something that um, older teens can can really get into? It sounds a little bit kind of Lord of the Rings, but maybe a little darker. And I can't. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to have your your thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, to to answer that that question. Um, so there are adult themes in there. Uh, it is not completely uh, grim dark to the point where you know there, there's a lot of alluding to things that happen without actually showing it on showing it on the page because uh, I was very mindful uh, with with certain things which can be like, very triggering for that. Um, in general, my series does read like a young adult novel, uh, like a young adult series, uh, and it is very Lord of the Rings. Uh, because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, I try to reread the series every other year. And yes, I am looking forward to the series that's coming out in 2021 through Amazon that they're doing like the, the Silmarillion. Uh, but as far as like age recommendation go, uh, it's fairly, fairly easy to read. I try to keep it, keep it simple. Um, and even though it is dark and gritty, I try to, um, but the more adult concepts I try to keep, I allude to them, but I try to keep them off the page. Sounds perfect. Go. Thanks, Casey. All right. We'll check it out. And if you're listening to or watching the show out in uh, Washington, make sure you vote for Amica. Thank you so much for having you uh, coming on today, guys. We love having you guys on. And uh, Adam, anything last minute you want to say before we go? Um, you can always check out my YouTube channel, my movie YouTube channel, The Whirlwind Potato, and subscribe. Um, I should be returning from hiatus um, probably within the next within within a month with uh, with some new uh movie news and reviews and movie talk so awesome. looking forward to that great and uh thank you guys again everyone out there watching listening hope you guys have a great night and we'll see you guys next week have a good one bye All right.